month. So we've been going through a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, and I have to give uh, my, my sister-in-law, Emily, credit. Um, she sent me, this is like perfect for Ecclesiastes. And I was like, yeah, it totally is. Uh, so here is a, a review that somebody put up on, on earth, their experience on earth. Um, and it gives three stars. Um, the tacos were good. Some of the people were pretty chill. Beautiful sunsets, uh, but there was also a lot of friction uh, and injustice and heartbreak. The whole place was woefully mismanaged. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? But, but we, we found, found our ways to have fun and make it interesting. We even uh, healed a little along the way. Probably won't come back. I think that's a, a great, great experience. It's definitely an Ecclesiastes experience. Like, yeah, there's, there's, there's good, there's bad. Who really knows what's happening? And as we've mentioned in the book of Ecclesiastes, it, it continues uh, to say the word meaningless, meaningless. Like, I, I tried all this stuff, and just basically uh, the, the author is saying, um, I, I did it all for you. You don't have to try it out. You don't have to try, you know, superstardom or, or seeking out all these things. I already did it for you. Like, honestly better than you could possibly do it, just FYI. And I went to the end of it, and I found it to be kind of meaningless. I found there wasn't a whole lot of purpose there. Like, I, I tried it, trust me. I, you know, turned it up to 11. I went to the after-after party. Like, I did it all. And just trust me. Like, you're not going to find that meaning and purpose there. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, words that you are familiar with, if you've never even read it, like, I didn't know this was in the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 says this, There is a time for everything, and a season for every activities under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace, and to everything, turn, 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 right? I, we are very familiar with that song. If you don't know that song, it's a, it's a classic one. Listen to it on the way home. The Birds released it in 1965. And actually, they just made a more rock and roll version. It was a folk song that was popular at that time, but they kind of rock and rolled it a little bit, and then it became extremely popular. And as I, I read those, I don't know about you, but I kind of want to just do the good parts of that. I, I want to, you know, there's a time to be born. All right, good with that, but time to die, No. Time for war? No, no, no. But time for peace? Yes. I just want to be part of the good things. Like, I want to just experience those. I don't want to experience the hard things. I, I want to uh, be able to have, like, the, the good parts of life and to be present for those and, and to enjoy those. But this passage is telling us, yeah, it's not always going to be that way. And I've mentioned that the book of Ecclesiastes is found in, in the, the middle of the Old Testament. And in the middle um, of the Old Testament is what's called the wisdom literature. And what these books are, are teaching us is how to live a wise life. This is what it looks like for you to, to live in the wisdom of life. And part of that is to understand seasons. I know I've, I've learned that in, in marriage, and if you learn that in friendships, like being aware not only of like your own personal seasons, but the seasons of the people around you, like being attuned, like having a heart that recognizes, all right, I, I need to, to slow down here and, and think about this 
a little bit, not just from my own uh, perspective. I need to see it from someone else's eyes. And what it looks like to live a wise life is to know, all right, here's, how I, here's how, what I should do in this situation. Probably my favorite book in uh, the wisdom literature is the book of Proverbs, which is still like so practical today. And it gives us advice on so many different things that was written a long time ago, but it really still holds up. I love this one, Proverbs 27, 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. If you're a morning person, be quiet about it. Like, be quiet (laughs) about it. Like, we're happy that you like the morning, but let the rest of us sleep in a little bit more. Like, let us all chill. It's just so practical, right? You still feel that today. Another one that I don't have on the screen, but um, it says... um, just like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to folly. And that's just practical and, and a little bit gross. And then there's, there's this one, which is just, it, it's so fascinating. This is what, what will stop and make you think. Okay, do not, this is two verses in a row. You might not believe that this is two verses in a row, but you can pull out your Bible and look yourself. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be just like him. Next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. Wait, what? Which, which is it? I mean, this is literally like verse to verse. This isn't like me going like, well, let me tell you something that's here and then over here. No, it's like literally verse to verse it says this. But what this passage is telling you is wisdom is knowing when to correct a fool and knowing when to say, I pity the fool and just walk away. <laughs> like you probably have learned that on social media a lot of times. It's just I'm walking away. I, I don't, you know. I, I, I made my point, and I, like, made the point that there's no way that, you know, he had thought of this before, and then he writes something else, and it was just a very small part of what I said, but he keeps coming back at me. Just walk away. There's times, perhaps, like, in your midst, in, like, the actual community uh, that you're with, that you need to correct a fool, and maybe to have a hard conversation, somebody that perhaps you have enough of a relationship with that you need to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about this uh, in your life. But there's also times when you need to go, all right, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to get into this. We had a, a, a mentor in, in uh, my, my seminary, and he said, and this quote has come to me many times, he says, uh, don't wrestle with a pig in the mud because you both get muddy and the pig likes it. Just don't, right? There's some people who you just, just don't engage it. Like, let them just stay in the mud and walk away. And it's just fascinating. It's right back to back. You know, don't answer a fool. Answer a fool. It's just like, what, what, what are, where are we supposed to But that is what wisdom is. It's knowing what to do. It's knowing how to apply in a situation, how, how to do what it is that you're called to do. So there's seasons for everything. There's good seasons and, and there's, there's hard seasons. And then Ecclesiastes continues. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. Yet each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift from God. 
I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it so people will fear him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been done before. And God will call the past into account. It's, he, he builds on, on this idea after the, the poem about seasons. I, I love the line that, that God has put eternity in the human heart. That there's something in us that knows that it's lasting forever, right? The sacred moments that we get to experience. Like we, we, we want to experience those more and more. God, God has put a, a seeking of meaning and purpose in our heart. God's work is going to last forever. And I think that the, the birds get us to think about this wrong. Because the birds make it sound comforting. You know, it's like, to everything turn. And it's, just, it's like a you know, like a nice song, and it makes you kind of feel good and makes you feel okay. But what, what I believe this, this poem and, and this set of scriptures is actually telling us is you aren't in control. Like, you just don't know, right? Like, this season might be really good for you, and, you know, praise God if it is, but, but you're not in control. You're not the one who's holding all this thing together. You know, praise God for that, because I don't have all the answers, and neither do you. But you aren't in, in control, and you don't know. Like, the, the seasons, that they come and they go, and when one ends, like, you don't know, and then when the other one's going to begin, you don't know. You just have no idea. I think this, this is echoed in like popular song, you know, semi-sonic closing time, right? <laughs> just, just go home to the places that you're from. You know, go home. This, this, this is closed. The, the, the event's over now. Please leave. You know, this, this season is over. And I think we carry around with us like these in our pockets that they give us a, a false sense of control. You know, you can control the thermostat at your house right here, right? You can send people money. You can go to glendale.church slash give, select on the drop-down box, uh, family promise, or just the general fund. I mean, either one, you could do it. Right now, you could. You can text somebody around the world. I think there comes this sense of control that, that we can, you know, kind of think that we have. And this poem reminds us, you just don't know. And again, as I think about this poem, I think about the positive things. And I just want to collect the positive. I want to collect the peace. I want to collect the celebration. I want to collect the, the joy. I want to collect whatever is non-pain. But I do think about my life and how even though uh, there are times that I would never sign up for again, and there's things that I wish I didn't have to go through, but I'm thankful for some of the lessons that it, it taught me. And I'm thankful for some of the ways I've grown through those seasons. 
Like we think we want just, just the good parts. We think we just want to eat cake and never like gain a pound. We think we just want like the, the sugary sweet moments of life. Yeah, I, I wish we could do that. That's actually Austin has said that is the superpower that he wishes he had, that he could just eat anything and it didn't, didn't matter. Um, yeah, we, we, wish, we wish we could only have the good parts. There's a, a book perhaps you read in high school called Gulliver's Travels. And when Gulliver, go, he actually wishes for immortality. And there are characters uh, in, in the book who are immortal. I'm trying to say this right. If you're a literary person, I'm sorry. Uh, but they're called the Strobugs. And these characters in the book, they live forever. And so Gulliver like, says this wish. He wants to be immortal. And, and he wishes that he can have that experience, but then um, he actually gets to meet these characters, and uh, there, there are three rules that have been established because these characters live forever. Uh, first, the Strudbugs, their marriages never last. Um, in fact, by law, once they turn 80, their marriages are dissolved uh, because no two people can stand each other for eternity, which is dark. <laughs> Like, you know, we, we've seen this before. Once you get to, you know, the 107-year itch, like, it just it doesn't work. So uh, we got to just, you know, just, just stop, stop right there. And they, they become legally dead at age 80. The, any property that they have, they have to give up to the next generation, which some of us looking at housing prices are like, amen. You know, let's, let's do that. Let's, 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 uh, let's put that one in place. And then third languages change so often and, and all the time that they literally can't keep up. So if one of these characters is generally age 200, they can't even understand the language anymore because it's changed so much. I think that's true. I'm almost 40. I don't know what a lot of people are saying. You know, like people send me a text and I'm like, okay, you got to look up the abbreviation of what just happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm 40. I love what uh, uh, commentary said about, about this. Said, the poor Strudbugs poke fun at the kind of fantasies of immortality that Gulliver starts with. He imagines that he would hold basically all the power and knowledge in the world thanks to his long life. Really, becoming hugely wealthy and learning everything would mean depriving future generations of their own opportunities to own land and invent new stuff. Gulliver is dreaming that if he lives forever, the world would stagnate around him and nothing would ever change the world, and the, the world would be fixed in one place to suit him. That's a hugely vain, stupid thing to wish. The world will never stand still for one person, no matter how long he lives. And I think that's right. And I know for me, one of the ways that I can get screwed up, and I think one of the ways that I've seen others get screwed up, is, is longing for some sort of certain past. Where it was so much better, you know, that, that season was so much better. And again, like, praise God if you had a really great season. And, and in your heart, you maybe wish you could go back uh, to that space. But that, that season's not here anymore. You know, be thankful for it. I hope that you're able to really live present in that moment to experience it. But don't just live, you know, wishfully thinking about some golden age. Sometimes I think about that in ministry. I'm like, man, I, it seems like it would have been way easier to be a preacher a while back. Because it just seemed a little more certain. Everybody was like certain about everything. That seems a little bit easier for me. And right now, I mean, you know, COVID, mass or no mass, or, you know, the, the complexities of, of things that, that we're dealing with uh, today, like it's, it's hard for me uh, to think about that. So I'm like, oh, you know, there's, there's that golden age. And then you start to think about it. And it's like, wow, there's always like wars and complex stuff, right? It was always hard. Life is going to have that mixture of, of bitter 
and sweet. And don't live thinking like you're in control of it. And there's like a moment that you could just, oh, I wish I could just hit pause and just stay in this forever. I mean, of course, like, yeah, live like that might happen, but it's not going to happen. Enjoy life, enjoy those moments, but don't just try to, to go back to a time that was before. This idea, this wisdom, I think is echoed in, in the book of James. James is very much like a practical wisdom book in the New Testament. And he says, if, if you think that you're going to go to like a new town or a new city or, or a new place, um, don't, don't talk about it in that way. Just say, if the Lord wills it. You have that southern phrase, if the Lord wills and the creek don't rise. At least somebody got yeah, If the Lord wills. And the creek don't rise. You know, if, if, if the, we, we just don't know, we don't know, like, what's going to happen. We don't know how this is going to be. And yeah, we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid difficulty. But there's blessing even in that. I was, I was talking with, with a neighbor of mine yesterday, and he said that a couple years ago, uh, he decided that um, his, his work life had stagnated a little bit. And he didn't want to change careers, but it had stagnated a bit, and he wasn't sure, it just wasn't super challenging for him in that moment. And so he decided to run a marathon because he was taught that you should always be challenging yourself in something. And he said now his work life is really challenging, so he's holding off on everything. He says, okay, so I've got the challenge now here. I was missing, I kind of fallen into, I'd fallen into a bit of a rut, and so now, okay, I'm going to challenge myself with a marathon, but now the work is here. And I think that's, that's an interesting way to think about it. That you're alive and, and you're breathing and you have the ability to challenge yourself with something. How awesome is that? And we can have in our minds, like, I, I wish it never changed. Like, I wish it was just stagnant and we never had difficult things happen. There's even blessing in, in the hard parts of life. There's blessing in being able to have tough experiences. And I think about that as, as we say bye to our friends Bill and Barb. This is a picture of them of when they first came to our church around that time. They came to, to our church in 1979, right? That was the year? Yeah, I came in 1979. They were just living in the neighborhood and, and they walked in. And they said that the, the group of, of people at the church that day just gathered around them and so much and really just never, never let them go. And I'm so thankful that the church was that welcoming that day because of how much you all have meant to me. I got a chance to uh, share. Our family went over on, on Thursday night and got to spend, spend some time. And as Carter and I, I walked there to their house, and as I, I was walking with him, um, like the sun, the sun was setting, and um, I just got to tell him, like, how, how much th these two people have meant to me. And I wish I could just time stood still and, and nobody that was good ever left. I mean, some people, it's all right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I wish, you know, it was just 
always just, just peaceful and harmonious and the, the really sweet people who, who've blessed me and my ministry and our church so much that they never left and it just stagnated there. But there's also a real sweetness in the leaving to be able to say to somebody how much they've meant, right? Then there's a, a feeling of even though uh, they, they won't be here locally, they're going to Texas, they, they'll be able to come back every now and then, and they're always going to be a part of, of, of our family. They're always going to be a part of our church body. I've asked uh, Jim and Teresa to share uh, a few words of, of blessing uh, to them. If you, uh, you guys can do it fr from your seat or come up if you'd like to. Either way, I know you guys are near Bill and Barbara. They come up front. Come on down. Come on down. Yeah. Good morning. Um, we've been asked to share a little, so I'm going to start with that part, and then Jim has a blessing. Um, I just want to say um, that it's, it's an honor to be here this morning. Um, we've had the ble great blessing to share 40 years of memories with Bill and Barb. Um, I, I would say that essentially we've grown up together here at this church. Um, we've worshiped together, and we've worked together. We've celebrated new children and new homes. We're not crying. <laughs> we've, we've laughed together and we've cried together. Um, Barbara was the very first person to say hello to us and welcome us when we first came here to the Glendale Church of Christ. And from the very beginning, uh, our friendship with Bill and Barb has just been a true treasure. Um, when, when Bill and Barb see you and they say hello, their face lights up and your heart warms up, and you just feel like you're their best, most favorite friend in the whole world. And the greatest thing is, I know that everybody feels that way when they see Bill and Barbara. Um, they have a genuine caring spirit uh, more than anybody else I know, the two of them. And so we just wanna say how greatly we love you and how happy we are for you uh, for all the new adventures and the wonderful blessings that we know God has planned for you in the future. And the last thing I want to do is to ask you to go get a great big Texas-sized welcome mat for the front door of your brand new home because we are definitely planning to come visit y'all in San Antonio. <laughs> Brian asked us to, to bring up a couple of memories, so I'm gonna, I've just got three about Bill. Um, <laughs> one is the uh, bicycle ministry that we both used to take part in. Uh, years ago, a bunch of us would meet at Dave Dilbeck's house at six o'clock on a Saturday morning, and we'd get on our bicycles and ride downhill for about five miles <laughs> uh, before we had to stop and get donuts. <laughs> um, this wasn't about healthy or anything. Uh, but, but those were some good times. Uh, we uh, have had some of the best vacation Bible schools, I think, of any church because Bill came out here to L.A. because he's a, I guess, a model maker 
artist, craftsman, prop maker. He worked uh, for, he built dinosaurs for Knott's Berry Farm and he worked on a King Kong movie making the big monkey and um, he, he's, he's had a, just a really interesting career uh, with the art that he brings to all those things. Most recently he worked for a company called Wet that uh, creates the fountains like at the Bellagio and in Las Vegas, the, they do that sort of thing. So it's been a, a fascinating time seeing the kind of work that he does. And then the, the third memory is uh, of all the hours we've spent in dark rooms upstairs uh, having meetings um, and we, we never went to jail. <laughs> so uh, high five. <laughs> um, we do appreciate you, you know, Ephesians 4 talks about how in the body of Christ where every part, every joint, every bone, every muscle works together in its proper functioning, then the entire body is built up. And you guys have definitely played a big, big part in making the Glendale Church what it is today. So thank you for that. And if you'd all bow with me, I, wanna, I just wanna say a prayer of blessing for their, uh, their new uh, adventure in life. So let's all, let's all pray. Father, we are blessed by Bill and Barb and their, and their family and all the, the ways that they have blessed us over the years, the love that they've shown, the care that they've shown. Um, and we are sad to see them go, but we're excited for them to join their son, Andrew, in Texas. And we just ask your blessing of safe travels, traveling there, uh, guide them and help them to find a, a good home there, uh, a new home and you know all, all the, the things that they have to prepare to start a new life there. And uh, we are looking forward to visiting them again, and we are looking forward to them visiting with us again as well. Thank you for their lives that have blessed us in so, so many ways. In Jesus' name, amen. And Bill, Bill said he was comfortable sharing from his seat for a minute, so. Well, thank you so much. That was, um, that's a hard act to follow. At first, I wasn't sure who you were talking about. Um, I'd like to meet him, <laughs> but. <laughs> but truly, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. We appreciate this. Uh, we've gone through very plentiful and fruitful seasons. We've had some dry seasons and now it's a season of change. So we're looking forward to that with a certain amount of anxiety, but we know the Lord will, he's blessed us so far and he continue to bless us. But um, we just want to thank, thank you and just tell you how much we love and appreciate all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> okay. Oh. Hey everybody, um, impromptu thing. <laughs> As uh, probably, I think we're the only ones who live in Texas. So my dad specifically wanted to give them some honorary Texas items as new Texans. Uh, <laughs> so first up, we have two Keep Austin Weird t-shirts. <laughs> And then we don't have the doormat, sorry. You're gonna have to get that, but we got you a, a Texas flag. 
<laughs> we love you so much. I know we're talking. Hello, I'm John Holland, by the way, and I am the official Welcome to Texas Committee Chairman. <laughs> but uh, one thing I would like to say real quick, and uh, this is uh, Janine and I would like to do this, but uh, Samantha's been going here for what, 10 years? Over 10. Yeah, over 10 years. And we just would like to thank Glendale for opening the door to her, open your arms to her, and allowing her to grow in Christ like we tried to raise her. And, uh, but anyway, y'all are welcome to come to Texas. I would not come in July or August. <laughs> it, <laughs> that, that's correct. And I have been clobbering Bill and Barb with uh, uh, lots of posts and stuff like that, what to expect. And some of them are funny, some of them are actually true. <laughs> so, and I'd like to close with this. Uh, they're gonna be down around San Antonio and there is a real China Grove. I saw it. All right. All right. <laughs> I've asked uh, Wayne Baldero to come in and pray uh, over their family. And if the band could come up, we'll, we'll be uh, closing uh, in, in worship today, uh, including some, some songs that Bill and Barb requested. But uh, again, we, we love you, Bill and Barb, and uh, we're so, so thankful for you. So I, before I say our prayer to close, I, w I would like to say a couple of things to Bill and Barb. I don't want you to pay any attention to what I say. Um, you know what it's like outside? I already tried to tell Barb this. Uh, multiply that by about 10, and you'll be used to the uh, weather you're going to experience. I've been to San Antonio. It is a lovely community. It is a lovely city. Um, and everybody I've met, in, I've been to a lot of places in Texas, and everybody I've met in Texas, uh, you're going to be fascinated with them. They're just wonderful people. Um, I just have enjoyed every time I've been in, in Texas, no matter where it's been. Um, I met Bill and Barb when I was part of a, my wife was coming here for church. I was not attending at that time, but she was part of a group and it was kind of age related. It was called the Roaring Twenties. And uh, Bill and Barb had an event at their home, I think. And Andrew was a baby, but he was still in his chef's outfit. Uh, and he was trying to cook barbecue. Um, and I remember you guys just being so welcoming in your home and just so lovely, and I just enjoyed time with you. Uh, Bill has always put a cheer on my face. Um, Barb has always put um, a glint in my eyes, a, a, just a welcoming uh, spirit in her. And I just want to thank you both for that. Let's pray together. Father, Father God, we just, uh, we want to thank you for Bill and Barb. We want to thank you for their ministry in this church and their time with us. We ask a special blessing upon them and their travels. May it be safe without incident. May they have a fruitful life in San Antonio.
May they draw close to you and find a new church family. May we all be um, encouraged by their life um, and the example they have set before us, their humor, their wisdom, their artistry, their talents, all the things that have made them so dear to us. Uh, we, we miss that, we will miss that, but we also are grateful that we have had it in our lives. And I want to thank you for that. In Christ's name I pray, amen.